Hello, and welcome to the Radio Check Podcast, life in the concert touring industry, where we'll be speaking with and interviewing the best talent in the business, taking not only a deep dive into what it takes to put on a world-class show, but also life on the road and sharing experiences that span the globe, highlighting the people that are responsible for making your favorite artists look and sound great. My name is Matt Kanzi, and your host on this podcast is Chris Kanzi, a 40-year veteran in the live music touring industry. Over the years, Chris has traveled the globe several times over and has escalated through the ranks, bringing him to the top of his profession. He has established hundreds, if not thousands, of connections with other industry professionals, artists, and musicians. This podcast is your backstage pass to what happens behind the scenes and on the road when traveling and working with some of the world's top musicians. So sit back and enjoy. Ah, another round here. All right, Chris. So it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen you. How are you, brother? I'm really good. You know, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a good week for, for a lot of us. I mean, you know, the vaccine's here. <laughs> I mean, it's here. I've watched people on TV get vaccinated. And uh, I know it's only, you know, day two of the vaccine, but it's a, <clears throat> it's a really, really positive moment for, for, for a lot of people, especially for people in our industry who have been waiting for this day right. to, right. you know, it's the, it's the beginning of the end of the pandemic, you know, mm. um, there's still, I would say several months left and, and we'll, we'll talk about that in the podcast today. But uh, I think we're, 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 we're finally seeing a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel, which is. Yeah. Well, when exciting. I heard on, on the news that it was being released and I immediately thought of you and your industry and the people that we've been uh, talking to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it, which is great because it's, it's a glimmer of hope to a lot of people. And so, yeah. but I, I personally, you know, I certainly know the, you know, the impact it can have on, on you as well. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and, and Pfizer, that's just Pfizer. I mean, Moderna is getting, they're on the doorstep of, of getting approved as well. So that's. Yeah. Gonna, by the end of the week, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, cool, cool. Well then happy days, you know, it's good positive uh, feeling going into the holidays here, but anyway, so to kind of get rolling, um, uh, today we're going to be talking to someone I, I actually have uh, never met but heard a, a lot about, and so I'm looking forward to hearing his story. Um, but I know that you've known him for quite some time, so why don't you uh, introduce him for us? Yeah, we've, we've got a, a tour manager on today, uh, a very well-respected tour manager in our industry. No, somebody that I've actually not toured with or really worked with closely, um, but I've known for, gosh... 25, at least 25 years. Um, but today we have uh, Marty Hom. Hi, Marty. Chris, how are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm really good. It's good yeah. to see your face. I, I know we did a, a Zoom call, one of those industry Zoom calls a few weeks ago, and it was it was so good to to see you again because we, we hadn't talked in so long. And I'm looking at you, I'm like, oh, it's fucking Marty, man. We used to talk a lot in the <laughs> old days. And, you know, and I was like, wow, I kind of missed that guy. And then I, I had to make a point before that Zoom call was over to to, you know, give you a proper hello, you know, and, and, and that led to this conversation now. So that was a good Zoom call. It was. Matt, great to meet you as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's, uh, I'm interested. I, I, I know you, you, you're, you know, you're a California guy for, you know, all the years I've known you. And then now you're, you've transplanted to the, to the East Coast. You're in, do I say rural Pennsylvania? Where exactly are you? Rural is good. Um, so 
uh, about uh, 12 weeks ago now, I moved to Newtown Square, Pennsylvania. So it's, Newtown Square is about uh, 25 minutes outside of Philadelphia and conveniently 75 minutes from Lidditz, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so uh, if you guys ever remember this, there was a movie called Foxcatcher with Steve Carell. Don't know if you remember that. It was about yeah, yeah, the yeah. DuPont family and the U.S. Uh, Olympic wrestling team. Yeah, that was a good movie. He, he played a serious role and he did a very good That's very right. Good that's time. right. That's right. So that's where I live now. I live in the old DuPont estate. You know, a developer bought the thousand acres and uh, developed it and uh, put a nice little community out here. And uh, so far, we love it. We're expecting our first snowstorm tomorrow, anywhere from five to 12 inches of snow. So let's reconvene uh, next week and then I'll tell you how it is. Well, well, I know you've been on tour most of your life, so you've seen snow, but you, you're a California guy, right? I mean, you've never lived in snow, have you? No, California native, born and raised in Sacramento, and uh, I've lived in Los Angeles for 35 years. And I, look, Chris, I'm happy that I made the move. Uh, look, I was ready for a change of scenery, ready for a change of seasons, and uh, here I am. We'll see how it works out. Well, you know, if you go on YouTube, you can find some tutorials on how to shovel snow, how to hold it properly, <laughs> exactly. how, to, how to throw it over your shoulder, all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I might help. I figured it out already. Pay some kid on the block 20 bucks <laughs> to do it for you. <laughs> well, that's funny. All the, all our, our friends in Lidditz hire the Amish kids to, to come with their <laughs> exactly. hand, handmade tools to, you know, to break ice and shovel snow. That's great. So, so I'm, I'm glad you're happy. Uh, what, 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 you know, I don't want to dwell too much on it, but you know, I mean, what, what, why Pennsylvania? What, what brought you there? Was it a, a, a Oh, you know what? My uh, fiance is from uh, South Philly originally. She lived, she's lived in Los Angeles for 15 years. And look, to be honest with you, we looked for a place in uh, California, in Los Angeles. And it's crazy. It's astronomical. It's uh, like I could never afford the home that I'm living in now. You know, I could never afford that in Los Angeles. And simply economics. And, and simply, I, I have to tell you, you know, I love the state, born and raised there. And but, uh, you know, it's just going through some hard times now, in my opinion. So It, it really you know, is. It really is. It's, uh, yeah. you know, I, I lived in, I lived in both the San Francisco area and the LA area for, you know, several years. And, and I have an affinity for California. I really do. I love it. And when I, when I go there, you know, I'm happy to be there, but you know, I, I just don't love it anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest, you know, and you know, yeah. you're, 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 all you have to do is sit in traffic in LA once. That's right. You know, and it just steals your soul. It does. It just. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and. I drove out to Lidditz to say hi to those guys, Troy, Claire, and all those guys. Right. And I said, I actually, when I got my car for 75 minutes, I got to someplace else. Whereas I could sit in my car <laughs> in Los Angeles for 75 minutes and go, you know, a mile. So. Yeah, how funny. How funny. Okay. So California, you, you, you grew up in Sacramento. Um, uh, and is that, was that, were you living in Sacramento when, when you got introduced into the music industry or, or was it before you got to LA or, or how, how did this all No, I, I, uh, I lived in uh, Sacramento. Uh, and to be honest with you, I think like all of us who probably ended up in the business, we were fans, you know, we were fans of the music. We were fans of the bands. We were fans of the artists. The original tower records was probably a half a mile from my house. Wow. So I was, I was one of those kids who would, show up at Tower Records every Tuesday to see what new albums were coming out. 
uh, I loved the live aspect of music. You know, I was fascinated. I'd go to concerts. I'd be, you know, in line buying the tickets. You know, there was no online, you know, so we'd have to go actually buy a physical ticket. And, uh, and uh, look, I, I, you know, I was mesmerized by those live musical performances. You know, I, I saw some incredible shows, you know, again, as a fan, I saw, I was, uh, I was at a Stevie Wonder concert in Oakland, in Oakland, at the Oakland Coliseum, the night John Lennon was assassinated. Oh, wow. And, and, uh, you know, Stevie finished his set. He came back out. Then he announced to the crowd that he, uh, that John Lennon passed away, was assassinated, uh, proceeded to sing Imagine. You know, those are things that, you know, they, you, you can, you'll, you'll keep forever, you know, as a fan, as a, and so, um, just, uh, you know, I have so many memories of that, you know, and so, uh, just that's amazing. Good. That's a good one. Um, do, do you remember when we were kids, when we, you were talking about buying the tickets, when there were actual tickets with like real creative art on them and they were kind of embossed and, and they were, you know, yeah. they weren't, they didn't come out of a, a, a machine, you know, they were actually cool tickets. Yeah. I, I would imagine when you were holding those tickets, you never would have thought that <laughs> in, you know, in several <laughs> years, you would have had to, I mean, you've had more tickets in your hands. <laughs> you've shuffled <laughs> through enough tickets in your hands to, you know, more than, more than a, than a blackjack dealer, I would imagine. You know, holy shit. You, you know, Chris, if you go through some of those tickets, if you have any of those old ticket stubs, look at what we paid to go see a concert. Oh, yeah. Three, three bucks, five bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. It was uh, unbelievable, you know? I, I, I have some, yeah. I, I looked at them recently. I went down memory lane very recently and I started looking at old tickets and, and actually old itineraries and looking at my handwritten notes in the old itineraries. Yeah, which is interesting because because the, the itinerary is becoming a thing of the past. Do you, do you still use itineraries on your shows or, you, or do you, are you doing all, all digital stuff? I still print a few books. Uh, you know, some of the artists I work with really like them. You know, they they like them whether they use them as a keepsake or, or actually refer to them. And and so I, I print them. I don't print as many as I used to. You know, um, uh, but it comes helpful. I, I still use one. I really oh, like yeah. having the book in front of me and and make, like you said, I you know open open the book and make notes to myself and, and do all kinds of things. You know, guest list, whatever. And so it's very helpful for me to, to have a actually a hard physical copy. Well, I agree. I mean, you know, the, the, the pen and paper still live and for, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm, <laughs> it does. I, I love when I do an itinerary, I, 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 have, I have them print me like a, a letter size version. I have, I, have, I have big ones. I like the big ones, you know, so you could, yeah. you know, you can glue stick stuff in them or staple stuff. I do them. too. You're making notes and, and, you know, they're so handy. I mean, I don't do an advance with it, but. Like you said, you know, uh, you get a call from the manager, make sure these people get in and, you know, you want to scribble notes down on that page. So, it, it, yeah, yeah. I, I love an itinerary. Yeah, you know, I, it, it, I, I'm, you know, look, I'm old, period, but I'm old school as well. And so, you know, I tell my assistants, you know, go get a little pad and a, and a pen, you know what I mean? And so if I ask you to do something or, you know, you have to make a list of stuff to do you remember what that stuff is. I mean, I have to do it myself. Uh, it's probably because I'm getting older, but, but uh, for, the, for the most part, you know, take some notes down, write them down, jot down what you have to do for the day. You know, it'll, it'll help you. Yeah. I, I'm big with notes. You know, I, I've got notes on my desk all the time. You know, I review them before I go to bed. I look at them yeah. first thing in the morning. 
you know, I, you know, it, it happens almost every night when, when I'm, when I'm in the thick of working, I'll, I'll think I'm going to bed and I'll go in, my, I'll go in and take a shower. And when I'm in the shower, I think it's something I get out of the shower, run back to my desk and scribble some more notes down. It is, <laughs> That's right. I do the same. I do the same. It's, Look, it's, I think we're, we're a dying breed, Chris, you and I. <laughs> hey, oh, well, let's, I prefer unique. <laughs> okay, you mean I'll, I'll go, you mean? <laughs> uh, that's funny. So going back to Sacramento, uh, what, 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 you know, what, what got your foot in the door? What, what, what was your? Uh it's a, it's a funny, funny story. But uh, we love you know funny, when funny I stories. when I when I was in high school, uh, I was, uh, you know, I it was all kinds of things. I was class treasurer. That was my first gig, and then I. And then I became student body president. I was class president. I was all, I did all that stupid wow. stuff. And so you were doing basically, or you had to do budgets. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And as class treasurer, one of my gigs was to raise money for my class. And, and so back in the day, you know, it was all live bands. It was all live music. And, you know, back then they used to pay the bands a hundred bucks or 150 bucks until a four hour set or three hour set, you know, for, for a high school dance. And, what I decided to do was I decided to start hiring bands from San Francisco because that was the it thing, you know, and, and instead of paying them 150 bucks, I'd pay them 300 bucks or 350 bucks. And lo and behold, you know, we would sell our thousand capacity gym out, you know, three bucks a person. And my class was making so much freaking money. It was insane. And so, uh, you know, that that really started the, the love of music for me. And then, you know, we did a did a couple concerts. I had Tower Power Play at my high school. Nice. Um, you know, they were a famous Bay Area band, and I'm sure you know who they are. And, and so uh, that kind of and then from there, uh, I started managing bands. I started managing local bands and, uh, and and booking them, you know, booking them at clubs, booking them at high school dances and and uh that that wet my appetite and uh and so that's kind of how it all started for me just be again just as a fan you know i just i loved what live music did to people and i loved the effect that it had on live people and chris you know we haven't done this in in, in nine or ten months now but you know that moment when when i look to you to the production manager or i look to you and i say chris house lights or you say house lights and those lights go off and those 15,000 or 25,000 or whatever it is start screaming and they get to see their favorite artist sing their favorite song, whatever that may be. And it's just, you know, it's a magical experience that really is hard to recreate. And, you know, part of this pandemic thing, you know, you look at and they talk about, you know, doing shows at 25% or 50% or whatever. It just really, our model doesn't really work that way. It doesn't work economically. It doesn't really work you know, in terms of the experience that you have or you, that you're you're going to see. And so, you know, I'm really hoping, you know, I know you talked about the vaccine at the beginning of the podcast. I'm hoping that brings us back to full capacity because that's really what we need as an industry. Yeah. That's what people need. That's what people need as part of life, as part of society to, to get back and enjoy those kinds of things, you know, the things they enjoyed before all this. Yeah, yeah, I I can't agree it enough. And um, you and I have talked about this in, in, on past phone calls as well. But you know, it's we need to figure out what is the formula for getting back to full capacity because 
it's it's not the promoter's decision or the building's decision or the artist's decision or the booking agent's decision. It's 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 a governmental, you know, it's a city, it's it's the mayor, it's the governor, it's somebody and 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 I think we're trying to figure out who that liaison is between the governor, the mayor, and yeah. the promoter and the building to to make these decisions on on capacities because you know, I think I've told you before that, you know, Roger Waters, who I work for, is, is not going to go out on, at 50% capacities next year. It's just not going to pay the bills. Yeah. So I agree. You know, so even if, even if we have a vaccine that's rolling, when and how will we know when to pull the trigger, you know? You know what, Chris? There's so many different components to getting back, getting us back. You know, look, and I say this, look at the people you work for, like Roger, and the people that I work for. And let's say we go start doing shows. And as much as I tell my artists, you tell Roger or any of the artists you work for that, Hey, we're 50% capacity. We're sold out. We're sold out. Right. Yeah. And then you, we're, and then we're you killing walk it. them out on this, <laughs> you walk them on the stage and they look out there and they see 7,000 people in an arena and they go, what the hell's going And as much as you try to mentally prepare them that you're sold out at 50%, when they first go out there and see half a house, it's going to affect them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, what does a half a house mean? Does that mean there's spaces between the people, or do they condense all the people into one area? I would imagine they still sell the whole arena with, with seats between yeah. people or whatever. I mean, that's just maybe we can get the cardboard cutouts from Dodger Stadium and put exactly. or bring your own cardboard cutout free. Exactly. So I don't know if I, and if I'm bearing off, you can steer me back no, no, on no. course, but there, there is no I didn't course. know if I told you this, but, uh, you know, back in May, early May, I got called by a friend of mine who works for Intel and uh, Intel and Dell uh, were collaborating with a company in the UK called IABRA, who have developed a rapid testing machine that can deliver results in 30 seconds with right now a 95% accuracy rate. And so, um, so I've been working with them and I have a small group that are, that are focused on sports and live entertainment in terms of uh, using these machines to get us back to work. And, and look, right now it's really the only thing I'm hopeful about. It's the only thing that I think that we have a chance to, to maybe, like you said, do full capacity shows. You know, and as we talked about the different components, like it's really local legislation that's, you know, it's local laws, it's state laws. And I think, you know, I don't know the end result, but I know that Mike Strickland was on, was testifying before Congress today about uh, liability and indemnification. You know, that's a huge component of, of our business, you know, until, um, you know, we get this, until the entertainment and sports get this, we'll never go back at full capacity because we can't be held. We can't first, we can't get insurance, but then we can't be held responsible. If someone decides to go a show to a show, you're, you're responsible for that. If they catch, you know, the virus, you know, so uh, I know that Congress is looking into it. I know that, uh, that uh, it's part of the legislation for some relief and uh, hopefully they'll pass it. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're kind of fortunate in a way that sports is kind of, plowing the road for us, you know, and we're kind of just yeah. drive behind them. Another snow reference, we can see having a storm coming. Um, <laughs> so I, I think they're going to, they may do the heavy lifting for us 
because, you know, if, if, you know, there's a lot more on the line for them. I mean, they're, they're, you know, the promoters don't have to pay Roger Waters to play to an empty room where these, all these, these owners and they've got to pay all these players and they're not really getting the income other than the, maybe the, the TV rights that they have. So they're yeah. really, really being aggressive into getting people back in the seats. So, so uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just follow them. I would imagine, you know, uh, maybe, maybe we don't, but you know, getting back to Mike Strickland, I mean, wow. Do we owe him a debt of gratitude or what? I mean, he has been a, for sure. You know, he's, he's, he shows up every day. He gets the door slammed in his face every day, but he still goes back the next day. I mean, that takes, that takes a lot of grit. And uh, maybe when this is all over and done with, you know, maybe we do, you know, Strickland Fest or something, you know, maybe something. We build a statue. We build a statue of him and we put it in front of Madison Square Garden, wherever he wants it. I will, you know, I, I, I've talked to Mike uh, uh, for sure. He's leading the charge for us. Uh, he's a great representative of our industry. Um, look, Chris, you know, look, you have the same concerns I do. You know, I'm really concerned about all the men and women who work in our industry, you know, in the touring industry, because if we have to wait another year, our, our industry will be decimated. Like there'll, yeah. there'll be nobody to work, work in it, you know, because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'll freaking retire. You know what I mean? I, yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, there'll be, you know, the vendors there'll be nobody to provide you know us buses and trucks and speakers and lights and video and yeah. and and so you know i'm glad mike is is leading the charge for us and, yeah you know and, yeah. And, and if we need you know you five a hundred stagehand call and 40 people show up for the loaded i mean yeah. you know that's that's not going to be fun that won't be a good day you know so that's right that's right yes so it yeah i mean we, we've got to save ourselves and and, and it's it's and you know, thank goodness for people like Mike Strickland, you know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm dead of gratitude, dead of gratitude. No, but, but, you I, know, I well, think the whole industry, whole industry owes Mike a debt of gratitude, Chris. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 you know, the, I've said it before and I, you know, just the fact that the vaccine is out there now, it's, it's allowing people to at least start thinking about it. You know, the wheels are getting greased. You know, we, we, they can kind of make plans in pencil, at least, you know, the, the ball should start rolling a little bit, you know, um, maybe not for the, you know, people, people are holding dates in the spring, which I think is, is folly, but, you know, may, maybe we'll get into amphitheaters in the, in the summer, maybe, maybe, maybe something will happen. Maybe some festivals will happen next year, but you know, uh, I, I think that there'll be a portion of us that will take a paycheck next year. There will be, you know, might not be everybody, yeah. but you know, there'll be a portion of us that will start making some money back. You know? Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. Okay. So you, you know, you're a holy shit hot shot tour manager and you've, you know, uh, <laughs> how is it that you work for so many women? I mean, it seems like your, your whole resume is is estrogen filled <laughs> you know is is that is that is that you know when you get a call and you go no any, any women available i mean <laughs> i mean how, or is that just is, is that is that how, how did that happen is that just uh, a coincidence you know i i gotta tell you it's a funny question and it's a great question and i really don't know the answer to be quite honest with you i i have really no idea but really i think uh early in my career I just started working with a lot of female artists. And, uh, and then you get, 
Chris, you, you know, we, we get all kind of stereotyped, you know, in our That's little true. pigeonhole. You know, you get, uh, you know, like like Jerome Crooks, you know, your great friend and my great friend, you know, he does Nine Inch Nail and Tool and Soundgarden. You know, he kind of he kind of does that kind of genre of music, you know, and and it's funny. Marty Hong got uh, got stuck with a bunch of females. Uh, you know, I, I started my, you know, really the first one of the, well, the first guy I ever tour managed in my career was in 1985. And that was a guy and he passed away this year uh, and and. It was Bill Withers. Oh wow! And, I heard about, uh, I heard about him. You know, I, yeah, I, it's been a tough year for me because I lost Bill and uh, we lost Eddie Van Halen. You know, who I, who's oh, just, wow. you know, one of the best for me. You know, and uh, so uh, you know, after I did Bill's tour, I then started on my trek with female artists, and I did Sheena Easton and for a couple of years, starting in 1987, and, and then it was Paul Abdul right after that, and then Janet Jackson right after that, and then Shania Twain, and it just, it just, it just kept going, and it, right. and it really didn't stop, so I, I have done, a, look, and I, it's, uh, I love it, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's a little bit more attention to detail that you got, you got to pay attention to when you're dealing with a female artist, and, uh, you know, you have to understand that uh, the glam squad and the wardrobe is just as important as the microphones and oh, yeah. the lights. And so, uh, so look, I, I've been really uh, blessed and lucky. I, you know, I worked with Barbara Streisand for 20 years now. And, and as you know, I've worked with Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks for 23, 24 years now. So, you know, it's really been a, a great ride for me. I, I got to pinch myself at times. Did, did, uh, I don't know if you remember meeting me, but... Do you remember the Club MTV tour with Paula? I do. I do. Yes. I, I was Dave Barry's. I was Dave. With? I was Dave Barry's guitar tech. Wow. I had no. I don't remember that. I, to be honest. With yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It was. Wow. Uh, it was only for. Well, it was only like for, for four or five weeks, and you know, but yeah. that was the that was the famous Millie Vanilli. You know, Paul Abdul, Lisa Lisa Cunningham. information society you know but uh, yeah and that's, so, that's okay so chris let, let's go back memory down memory lane milwaukee Summerfest, right club mtv tour yeah do you, that do you remember what happened on that show wait, were wait, you there oh yeah yeah did, 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 downtown julie brown remember that she was there that's was, right was that, that the, uh, the millie vanilli girl you know it's true that's a hundred percent correct. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that was so. Uh, Millie Vanilli was on. I remember, you know, the Summerfest has this. You know, the dress rooms are on the second floor, and they have a, uh, you know, balcony there. You know, a little walkway that you can hang over and watch the stage. Right, you can look, look at the yeah, stage. Yeah. And I, and Paul and I are over there watching Millie Vanilli, and we're on the rail right there. And and then then that when what happened just you, that you just happened. I'm looking and going, what the hell's going on? I'm looking at the chords of the keyboards and the guitar, and none of it's plugged in. They're just chords running. And, and, and all of a sudden, I see the two guys run off the stage behind the set, and they're screaming at somebody. I don't know who the production manager, I assume. They're screaming at him and screaming at him, and they're yelling. And then they run out the back door, and they run on their buses. And they're, they're looking at all this, and downtown Julie Brown runs out to the bus to try to get them to come back on. And, and Paul is going, what the, what the hell is going on here? And I went, oh, my God. 
this is a her, this is the worst disaster uh, they can have. You, you know, I you know because Alan Zulo was their tour manager, and, and I, I went on after Club MTV to tour with Millie Vanilli. I went and did that leg, and right. and, and it happened again out there. <clears throat> I mean, where right. where the where the vocal because you know they 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 were using some sort of keyboard trigger vocal thing on Club MTV. Right, that's, that's we right. did. It we had it was more of a, a disc drive system with a, with an engineer on the next tour, but it still failed, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's when the whole thing, not only are they not singing live, but they didn't sing on the record, blah, 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 that whole thing happened. Right. Right. <clears throat> but after, after that, um, I, I don't think we saw each other for a while. <clears throat> and the next time I saw you was, I was very, very fortunate to be one of the few people who got to see Fleetwood Mac's dress rehearsal at Sony Studios before the dance tour. And, and I remember vividly when I sat down where there was this tribune that you guys put in the back that for people to sit on and I'm up in the tribune and you, and you came out and this really impressed the hell out of me. And it stuck with me. And I do the same thing now where, where, you know, you came out and said, Hey, welcome. This is a dress rehearsal. This might not be perfect. We might have to stop. <laughs> and if we do, that's just part of it. This is, you know, we we're, we're working shit out. So, you know, bear with us, you know, and I was really impressed by that. I thought that was really cool. Right. And, and, and my other my other memory of, of that era, um, the Hollywood Bowl. Do you remember the Hollywood Bowl show where you guys built out the front of the stage and you, you turned the Hollywood Bowl into a new venue? And it was a really big special event where it was I think it might have been toward the end of, of end of that tour. But uh, Paul Chevrolet called me and said, hey, are you home? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, because I was going to come to the show. And he goes, will you? Marty and I need someone to manage the parking lot. Will you, will you come down and manage the parking lot for us? And, and, I, and I came down and, and you know, I'm like, what am I doing? He goes, well, we've got some VIP parking and a list. We just need to make sure people get parked. You know, so you handed me a radio and a clipboard and, and, I, go, <laughs> and, I, and I go out to this gravel parking lot in, in, in the back of the Hollywood Bowl and, and people are pulling up and giving me their names and I'm letting them in and whatnot. And, and you and I are talking on the radio. And then... Um, this Porsche Carrera pulls up with Kevin Spacey in it. Window comes down. He doesn't even look at me. He just goes, Kevin Spacey. I went, and I, and I knew he wasn't on the list. I, I just knew because I remember looking at the list. I'm like, uh, Marty, uh, uh, Ke Ke Kevin Spacey's here, and, uh, and uh, he's not on the list. <laughs> and, and he could hear everything we're saying. And over the radio, you go, well, if he's not on the list, I guess he's shit out of luck. <laughs> and, and, his, and his response to me was, I don't want to talk to you or him. I want to talk to somebody from Fleetwood Mac. And I said, well, that was Fleetwood Mac's tour manager. And, and you know, you're not on the list. <laughs> he goes, well, thanks for nothing. And he fucking lights it up and his wheels spin. And he's shooting rocks everywhere. And he spins out and takes off. So I just thought that was really funny. Do, do, do you remember that funny chance? I don't, but but I gotta tell you, karma karma sure comes back around. Doesn't it? <laughs> I remember because after everybody was parked, and when he got in, but you know, he just didn't he just didn't get his 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 back rubbed before he came in. So you know, that that was funny. Chris, you know you know that we've been doing this long enough. You know, don't you know who I am? I mean, it's you know. Oh my God! How many times have we had to hear that? So. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. So, you know, that, that Fleetwood Mac thing was just incredible. You know, that was the first time they got back together in a long time. And Christine was there. And, you know, that, that thing was just, I mean, that was, was that your first project with them, the dance in 97 or whenever it, that was, 98? It, it, it was, Chris. Uh, I started working with them in 97. And, 
you know, if uh, you told me that I was going to be here, you know, 23 years later with them, I would have said there's no freaking way, you know, because, you know, Chris, I've kind of, as you know, I'm kind of like a vagabond. I kind of go from tour to tour and from artist to artist. And, you know, I really have a lot of respect for guys like, uh, you know, like uh, George Travis, who's done Bruce Springsteen for 35 years. And, uh, you know, Charlie Fernandez, my good friend, who's done Jimmy Buffett for 35 years. And, you know, I look at them and say, look at the careers they've had with one artist for this entire length of period, you know, and, and here I am with, you know, Fleetwood Mac 23 years later, you know, kind of saying the same thing. And so, uh, I, I really, you know, I was, look, were you concerned when, when the whole Lindsay thing went down? I mean, I, 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 for face value, when, 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 you know, Lindsay was fired or not asked back or whatever happened with Lindsay because of his health or whatever he wanted to do. And then the whole band changed with, you know, Campbell's in the band and, and the, the Kiwi dude from whatever that band is. I forgot. Is, is Neil singing. Finn, Crowded yeah, House. Neil, Neil Crowded Finn, House. Yeah. I mean, I did, and it did, from what I understand, it still did really well. Did great business, did great business. I, I will tell you um, that it, it was, you know, a little sad for me not to see Lindsay on stage, you know. Um, uh, but, you know, for whatever reason, the band decided to move on and, and, uh, I totally understand and respect what they've decided to do. And, and, uh, you know, I, I have to tell you, it's come full circle because I tour managed uh, crowded house in uh, the late eighties, early nineties. Oh, wow. How cool. And, and then, and then Neil Finn comes back into my life and his wife, Sharon, and, uh, you know, the whole family. And it was really good to see him and, and see him in the band. And I, I have to tell you, as you know, you know, people go for the songs, you know, they go to hear the songs and, and, uh, uh, and sometimes it doesn't matter to, to many of them who's playing the songs. That's all they hear the songs. And, and uh, look, I'm not so sure Fleetwood Mac will tour again. I, I certainly hope that they do because, you know, at the end of our tour in 2019, they still sounded incredible and fantastic. And they still were able to sell a tremendous amount of tickets. And, and uh, you know, truly, uh, you know, a lot of us have been there for many, many years. And it truly is a family with that uh, organization and that band and when we go on tour. And so mm-hmm. I truly love everybody out there. You know, so. Well, a couple of years passes by. Is, 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 is Lindsay coming back, you think, or is that? Well, Mick, yeah, if you ask Mick, probably not. I mean, Mick's gone, you know, done a couple of recent interviews saying he didn't, he doesn't think wow. he thinks that time has passed and that they're moving on. So. Well, Lindsay thought he was the band. I think. I mean, I don't think there's any hiding that. I mean, he he's a very right. ego-driven guy, and but you know he he was a big part of that band. But you know, if they can get yeah. away without him, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, you know, great so, guitarist, so, great. Hey, look, great producer. You know, uh, yeah, so. yeah. So, so uh, t- tell me a little bit about Streisand because I know that's just at a completely different level, you know, with orchestras uh, and, and the and they, you know, you carpet the arena floor, you know, just because they want to bring it to another level of, you know, of uh, of class, you know, that, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, uh, there's another artist. I started working for uh, Barbara in 1999, so I've been with her for 21 years, and. You know, Chris, I think that we all, you know, doing what we do, we all have the same insecurities as the people that we work for. You know, we're a little insecure. We're always a little worried when we're going to get the next job and who we're going to go work for. You know, yeah, I mean, there's, does that still exist with you or not really not anymore? 
Uh, well, it didn't before 2020. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but, uh, I, I, I've been very lucky, let's put it that way, yeah. So, you know, I remember, um, it was funny, um, I interviewed for that gig in, in uh, 1999, and, uh, you know, then I got offered Ricky Martin's tour, and at that time, Ricky was the hottest things in sliced bread, right, living La Vida Loca, and uh, so I got offered that tour, and uh, I went back to Marty Ehrlichman, Barbara's longtime manager, and said, look, I've got offered another job, are you close to making a decision on who you're going to hire, and he told me that he wasn't ready to hire anybody yet. And so I ended up, ended up taking Ricky's tour and went out and did that. And, and I, I ended up quitting that tour, you know, for several different reasons. It was the only tour that I've ever quit in my career. Didn't have another job. At that point, it, it paid me more than I'd ever made before in my life. And uh, I quit. And lo and behold, the phone rings and it's Marty Ehrlichman. And he asked me if I'm still available and interested in working with Barbara. And, uh, you know, of course. So, um, you know, I uh, finished uh, Ricky's leg and jumped on an airplane, flew back to Los Angeles, and uh, we were rehearsing at Raleigh Studios in Manhattan Beach. And I remember getting to the studio. I had my luggage or had my, you know, backpack or whatever. I walk into this huge soundstage, and I walk in on one end, and then on the far end, on the other side, you know, I see this 70-piece orchestra. And then my eyes get focused on the conductor, and there's Marvin Hamlish conducting the orchestra. <laughs> wow. And then, and then they start playing a song, and then Barbara starts singing. And the hairs in my arm stood up straight. I, I bullshit and kid you not. It was surreal to me. And, and at that point, I kind of said to myself, well, I'm working with Barbara Streisand. Maybe I have a chance to make it in this business, you know, as a tour manager. So, you know, that was a defining moment for me. That that moment that I started working for her was a defining moment. And uh, uh, I'm so proud and honored that I could say that I still work with her and I've been with her for 21 years. And, you know, one of the uh, blessings of our job, Chris, as you know, you know, we get to invite our relatives and our friends. And, you know, my mom was a huge Dreisand fan. And, uh, uh, she came to Barbara's show in San Jose, maybe maybe about four or five years ago now. And, uh, you know, I'm never one to ask my, the people that I work for if they meet anybody, more, <laughs> not even my mom. But Marty Ehrlichman was gracious enough. He saw me sitting and catering with my mom, and we were sitting there having dinner. And he said, hey, hey, Marty, this is my mom. And, and uh, he said, uh, Mrs. Hom, I, I would love it if you would come back. I, I want to introduce you to Barbara. And he made the invitation. And so oh, my wow. mom, it was probably one of the last concerts she got to see before she passed away. But, you know, Marty brought her backstage and she walked into Barbara's dressing room. I walked in there with her. And, you know, there I was, the proud son, you know, wow. and his mom was meeting Barbara Streisand. So it was, it was uh, you know, look, it's been a great ride with her. And, and look, I, she, she knows exactly what she wants, which I appreciate. And, uh, uh, I am just, you know, so honored to, to work for someone like her. So how, how similar or dissimilar is Bette Midler? You know what? I, I think they're all very, very much the same. I think, you know, um, you know, I, I will tell you what is similar about them. That both as artists kind of approach doing concerts the same way. First of all, their work ethic is bar none. 
you know, I will tell you, Chris, that like, like the older artists, their work ethic is incredible. And I think Barbara and Bette have tremendous, tremendous work ethic. I mean, I see the same kind of work ethic with some of the newer artists I work for, like Beyonce and Shakira. They have great work ethic as well. But I think Bette and Barbara kind of approach touring as a, as a theatrical event. Yeah. You know, there's a script. There's words on a piece of paper. There's dialogue. It's almost like doing theater. And, and so I think in that sense, they're both very similar in their approach to how they put on a show. And they're so engaging and so entertaining. Like, you know, it, it's well known that Barbara uses a teleprompter during her show, you know, and the teleprompter sits right in the middle of the arena. And it's a, not a small teleprompter. It's a 20 by 10 screen or something of that nature. It's a, it's a big monitor, right? And yet she says these words as she reads the monitor. And I swear to God, I see every show every night. And it sounds like it's for the very first time. You know, it sounds like she's really engaged and really conveying, you know, those words of that message to the audience, you know, and I, I hear it every night and it's, and it's basically the same words, but it's, it sounds so sincere and so, you know, honest that uh, it's funny. She's a professional, you know, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference yeah. between uh, sounded like, like 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 a, a theatrical presentation or Las Vegas, you know. I mean, there the, the, there's Sorry. a fine line, you know. I, I've seen Paul McCartney a few times, and you know he he says the same thing between songs on every show, and and it it, it doesn't sound authentic to me, you know. Um, yeah. So so uh, the, the that's that's the difference, I guess. You know, yeah. another artist. And they both do. Another artist you work for, I, I I have I've had the privilege to work for. Where we we overlap on Janet Jackson. And, and what, what, a, what a lovely lady she is. You know, I got to see her firsthand. I did, uh, I did a run with her in 2008. Um, interesting camp, interesting people, but you know, what a lovely lady. And, and, and Jaime Mendoza, I mean, what a wonderful guy Jaime Mendoza is. I really enjoyed working with him. The best. And you know, I, 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 he calls me every once in a while to see what I'm, I'm up to. I've, I've not had the ability to go back and work for her. I, I would in a heartbeat, but I, I, what, a, what a lovely lady she is, you know. Um, she no. is again, again yeah. another pro, right? Right, Chris, another total pro. Um, you know, it's funny. I had the opportunity to see Janet when she got uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and her dressing room was—it was a Barclays Arena, and her dressing room was right next door to Stevie Nicks' dressing room, who was getting inducted for the second time uh, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, you know. I, Stevie is a big fan of Janet's and uh, so I was able to do that intro introduction to the both of them uh, while we were in the dressing room area and it was it was awesome it was just awesome that, that uh, the respect they had for each other you know both strong uh, independent women uh, both in getting getting inducted into the hall, into the hall and uh, uh, you know sharing that bond and it's something that I think they'll share for a very very long time you know because they both went in the same year, you know, and uh, so I agree with you. I, you know, I keep in touch with Jaime as well. Uh, great, lovely man. I'm glad that he's uh, had a, such a great career with her. I, I know that he cares about her. He looks out for her best interests, you know, and, uh, yeah, he you does. know, I think Janet's, I think Janet still has many, many great things to come ahead of her. And I think she's, you know, she, 
she set the, she broke the ground for so many of today's younger artists, Chris, and you know that. I mean, she yeah. just opened doors for, for uh, you know, so many women and so many female artists, and uh, for that, she should be commended. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I got chills every night when, you know, they did the costume change and came out and they did the Rhythm Nation thing, you know, with the choreography and the, the, the outfits. Yeah. And it was just so good. Absolutely yeah. so good. Hey, you know, another thing I want to ask you, because I, 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 I've been around this man, but I've never really spoken to him and I've worked for his company before. But uh, tell me, tell me, tell me about Irving Azoff. I don't really know that guy. I've worked, I've done some shows. I mean, I've done some tours for his company. You know, you know, I, I know Mark Robbins and I, I've, I've known, you know, a lot of people around there, but I've, I've never, I've never really known him or worked for him. But, and, and I know you've been around him practically your whole career, haven't you? It is. I think there were, you know, I've had a couple of great mentors in my career and in my life. And, you know, definitely Irving is one of them and Howard Kaufman is probably the other one. Without either of those two guys, I probably don't have the career that, I, that I've had in the music business. I think that uh, Irving is one of the brightest, smartest guys that I've ever worked for. Um, you know, he sees things so far ahead of the rest of the world, Chris. You know, you and I and everybody else is, you know, five miles behind Irving. You know, and Irving, you know, he's a visionary. You know, he's changed the way, really, our industry works. And uh, uh, look, uh, I would do anything for the guy. He has always been by my side. He has always supported me. You know, I'm lucky enough to do several of the acts that he works with, you know, and, you know, Van Halen was one of his acts. And, you know, now that we look at uh, what's, what's happened to Eddie, you know, I did, uh, I was fortunate enough to do uh, Van Halen in 2012 and 2015. Last two tours, and, and who would have known in 2015 when we were at the Hollywood Bowl, that would be the last show that Van Halen would ever play. I, I certainly didn't think that. And, uh, and you know, that was, that was because of Irving, you know. So um, I, I got to tell you, like, you know, the thing I respect about him is, is if I ever have an issue or like now, if I wrote him an email, he would respond to me in five minutes, whether it's just to wish him a happy birthday, which he was last weekend. But, uh, you know, he, he's just that kind of guy. He's, he's, uh, immediately, you know what I mean? You know, Chris, how many times, how challenging it is sometimes to get some of the managers that we work for all the time. Oh, of course. Or, or to get respond to an email. This guy will, will make a decision and give us an answer, you know, instant, instantaneously. Did, did you see that Eagles documentary that came out a few years I ago? I did. I thought it was really I did. good. I, did. I love those old pictures awesome. of Irving with the long hair and the beard and everything. Uh, uh, I can't get enough yeah. of that stuff. That that documentary. Was no, fun. it's a fucking great. It was great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And you you did you ever work for the Eagles? I don't I don't know. Did you ever get there? I I did. I uh, I did a tour with the Eagles, but I was a promoter rep. I worked for AEG at the time. And Irving's, you know, Irving said, "Here, look, I want you to hire Marty Hall." And I went out and did a leg of uh, an Eagles tour. Yeah. Yeah, what a what an interesting dynamic that is. I know a lot of people have very Eagles, you know, the whole uh, you know, but you know, but you know, somebody somebody explained it to me, you know, a long time ago, you know, I guess when the Hell Freeze Over came out and you know, they had they had to find a way for Don Henley and Glenn Fry to to get along, you know, and and, and it was explained, he says, Well, they broke it down. Anything that has to do with the band or the music is Glenn. Anything that has to do with lighting or visuals or the aesthetic of the show is done. So they, they both feel like they have their thing 
but you know, there's a, there's a, there's a line in the sand that they can't cross, you know? So I, I really yeah. thought that was a very interesting way for them to coexist, you know, on, yeah. on when, you know, obviously there Did was, you, there was yeah. vinegar in their mouth yeah. between those guys, you know, <laughs> there was. have you ever seen them lie? Uh, I, I've seen Don Henley, but no, I've not seen, yep. I've not seen the Eagles. No. Well, I mean, you know, other than on TV or, or, you know, whatever. I have to tell you, it's very similar to going like a Steely Dan show. You know, if you want to hear an incredible acoustically great sounding show, you know, if you want to hear pretty much what they do on the record, you know, live, that's, that's the Eagles, you know, that's Steely Dan. It's, it's, uh, it, it's a great experience. I mean, if you ever have a chance to uh, see them live, I would recommend it. Uh, you know, they're, you know, at first when they hired Vince Gill to be in the band, I, I really didn't uh, understand the, the dynamics or why that happened. But I got my answer when I, and I don't know if you know this, Chris, but I have the honor of producing music cares for the past couple of years. And, uh, right. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. 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 So one of our, uh, the first year I did it, uh, uh, Dolly Parton was the honoree and, and Don and Vince sang for Dolly and, you know, both on acoustic guitar. And I have to tell you once, you know, it sounds or rehearsals, you know, they started singing together in the blend of, they sounded like two angels singing. I'm not bullshitting you, man. It sounded like, and I said, ah, I get this now. I get why Vince is part of the Eagles because the blend in, harmonies in their voice is incredible. Well, that's what the Eagles were. I mean, they were, they were, yeah. they were, you know, kind of the beach boys of Laurel Canyon, you know, they were, you know, it was all about harmonies, you know, and, you know, but there was banjos and acoustic guitars. It was more of that thing, you know, before they, you know, became who they were. But, you know, you brought up music cares. If you, if you could explain to us what music cares is and, 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 and your, and your, and your, and your role with them these days and what it's all about, that'd, that'd be great to hear. Well, I have to tell you, uh, Fleetwood Mac was honored. They were the first band that was ever uh, honored by Music Cares. And well, what, what, back up, year, back up. Well, back up. What is Music Cares? Oh, so Music Cares is in a, a arm of uh, the Recording Academy, and what they do is they basically it's their charitable foundation of the Recording Academy. And what they do is they take care of people in the music industry that are in need. Right. Musicians, road crews, technicians, sound guys. Right? And, um, you know, I will tell you that, that, that uh, more than ever this past year is really, really when they had to step up to the plate to take care of literally thousands and thousands of people in need this year, Chris. And, uh, you know, again, uh, just honored to be just a part of that, you know, and, and when they asked me to do it, it wasn't really about getting paid or about the money. It was what they did, what they've done for people. And I, I've seen them in action and that's what uh, convinced me. You know, I had, I don't know if you know him or not. I had a guy that worked with, with me uh, named Joe DeRose, drum tech. Oh yeah. Bon Jovi. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I did a rat tour with him back in the, back in the eighties. Yeah. 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 Great guy, right? Great, great guy, great drum tech. And, you know, he unfortunately had a stroke and, uh, you know, he, he was in need of some financial help. And, and uh, uh, I remember going to Music Cures 
for him and saying, hey, this guy, you know, here's his resume and here's what he's done and, and you know, can you help him? And they came up to the plate and really helped him out, you know, at a time when he needed some financial support to help him with his medical bills and all that. So, um, you know, and, and they've done that countless of times for, uh, for people that I work with. And, uh, and so, um, you know, so after uh, the, the year Fleetwood Mac got on her, you know, the producer of the event, Tim Swift, uh, called me and said, hey, look, you're busy. I'd love to go to lunch with you. And I thought we were just going to go shoot the shit and, you know, talk about, you know, why Fleetwood Mac broke up after Music Cares. And, and so, <laughs> so basically, he, uh, he asked if I'd be interested in co-producing that the event with him. And I was just so honored, overwhelmed, to be quite honest with you, and and uh, so, you know, I, my first year was a couple years ago. We did Dolly Parton, and then we did Aerosmith this year. Um, uh, I think, when was it? It was last weekend in January or something like that, or first weekend in February, whenever the Grammys were. So it was probably one of the last events that I did this year. And then, and so this coming year, you know, instead of honoring uh, an individual, um, you know, or a band like they normally do, uh, you know, I talked to him and I said, look, I'll tell you who, who should get honored this year is the people that the men and women who work in our industry who haven't gotten a paycheck, many of them all year. And, and, and uh, so I think that's what's going to happen. I'm not sure. I don't know when you're going to air this podcast, but I think that's the direction they're going. And I, I think for sure, you know, we'll get a lot of support from artists out there because you know, what artist does not want to take care of their crew and the men and women who, who work in this industry. Right. And, and so, you know, I, I think that's what they're going to do. Um, it's going to be a virtual show this year. Um, and so we'll see. Yeah. That's, it's so important, you know, and, and I would wish more artists would take care of their crew. A lot of them are. So I'm certainly not okay. going to complain or point any fingers, but you know, I, I would love to see a lot more artists step up. But you know what goes beyond, um, you know, me and you and road crews and you know musicians who tour. You know, I live in New Orleans. You've been here. I don't need to tell you how many hundreds of people who make their living as a musician in the city, <clears throat> and they're all out of work right now. You know, they're all of them. You know, the horn players and piano players, and I mean, there's you know a hundred clubs with a hundred bands playing every night of the week you know, in the city and, you know, they're struggling too. And, 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 and there's really no outlet for a lot of these people. And it's a real shame, you know? So, I mean, this, this pandemic, which we're finally seeing a glimmer of hope for it, we, we, you know, we can't wait for this thing to pass, you know, I mean, to, to help, you know, save the soul of the city that I live in, you know, it's, 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 it's rough to watch, you know? It is. It's uh, it's really disheartening. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's the holidays. It should be, you know, a joyous time, time for celebration for a lot of people. And unfortunately, we can't just we can't do that this year. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. look. I I think there's you know a lot of great people trying to do a lot of great things. I think you know Jerome Crooks and Matt uh, with uh, TPA. You know, and he just uh, I don't know if you talked to him recently, Chris, but he just did this thing called the Lee Initiative where they're trying to feed. Uh, you know, 200 uh, grow crew guys in four cities, I believe, Los Angeles, yeah. New York, uh, Nashville, and Chicago. I think tonight is actually the first night where they're trying to, you know, 
feed, you know, give, give 200 meals to people who need them. And, uh, you know, families are hurting out there. And, yeah, I saw, I, saw, I saw the list of, uh, of restaurants and chefs that are involved and they're, they're not small time people. You know, there's some, there's some no. heavy hitters out there that are really putting their money where their mouth is or where their fork where their mouth is, whatever, whatever. And, and, yeah. and it's, it's incredible, you know, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to say that we're, we're trying to f- cure cancer with a bandaid because that's not what we're doing, but you know, we're, you know, the, the, the little things really matter, you know, even if it's, like I said, one meal that, that could, that could change someone's, you know, well-being you know, for a while, you know, someone's you know, state of mind can be altered a little bit, you know, and a little bit of hope that, you know, that somebody out there is looking out for them. Somebody does give a shit, you know, um, yeah. you know, you know, you, you know, the other thing that we kind of have, have to address that I started working on earlier in the year and, and uh, kind of trying to plug away at it. And it's challenging and difficult is, you know, Chris, for the most part, we kind of still live and work in the wild, wild west. You know, there's no health care uh, that's provided for any of the people who work in our industry. You know, that's something that needs, to, once we can get past this and move forward, you know, because I was working on it before all this kind of started, you know, it's something that, that needs to be addressed in our industry. You know, people need health care more than anything. And yet, you know, we ask them to work their asses off for us and, can't provide health care for them, a basic, you know, need for a person, you know, especially with a family. And, and so hopefully when we get back up and running, we can, we can reacquaint ourselves with this issue and, and, and try to figure out a way that, uh, that the men and women can get health care in our industry. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I know a lot of, uh, you know, vendor crew might be sorted by their companies, but you know, if you're, if you're working for production or if you're working for the band, you know, they get, uh, you know, they get workman's comp if they get hurt on the job. I know that's there. Um, and and I, I don't, I'm sure you're like-minded with me on any, show, any shows. You get sick on the road. We're paying for the doctor. We're paying for the prescription. We're doing whatever they can to make them right. Because A, a they need to do a job. B, we don't want them to get anybody else sick. And, and, and we are absolutely responsible for these people, you know, while on the road. Um, I agree. But, you know, if, 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 if the next step can be taken as far as, you know, more of a, more of a policy situation, you know, that, that maybe their family can be involved with or whatever, you know, because we've all got kids, you know, we've all got, you know, others that, that are looking for us to stay employed to, you know, make sure there's a roof over their head and, and, you know, and their, and their bellies are full. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know where that conversation is. I'd like to have that conversation. Um, you know, maybe we can start it. I don't know how to start it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, like so, so I will tell you what, uh, what got me started was, do you remember Tom Ross? He was the president of the music department at CAA. And then Rob Light took over from him. Do you remember him or was that? Uh, I, I, I know. I know Rob Light. I know. Okay. So Tom Ross was uh, Rob's predecessor in the music department at CAA. And basically he wrote a piece, I think it was either published in Polestar or Billboard about the need for healthcare. And the reason that he wrote this piece is because he had a friend of his who was a tour manager who was now in his seventies who had some health issues and his wife had some health issues, but yet had no healthcare. But yet, uh, you know, it's a billion billion dollar industry, you know, and you know, the, the problem, and uh, we're not trying to, to do something that's 
not been tried before. You know, people have tried to work this out. And I think, you know, the main issue was that we always ran across was funding. And so he, he made a good point, like, why can't we take whatever it is, five cents of every ticket sold and contribute it to a fund, you know, to, to start the fund, to help offset some of the cost. And so that got me thinking. And then Tom reached out to me and said, Marty, how do we, and, you know, get this going? And so, you know, basically I brought on a small group of individuals to help me with this, to kind of sort out the, the paperwork, so to speak, you know, talking to insurance companies and lawyers. And, and so we were able to do that. And, you know, one of the guys that's helping me is Stuart Ross and another guy named Spencer Churchill. And there's a few other guys involved, but, uh, you know, we just have to figure out, you know, how we move forward. And then the pandemic hit, and then we kind of put on pause. But, right. you know, we're, we're still kind of actively pursuing this and, and love to get you involved once we're ready to take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know, you know, five cents a ticket. I mean, really, I mean, who, who could who could have a problem with that? I mean, I know that adds yeah. up, you know, and that pays somebody else's bills maybe. But, you know, I mean, it could be, you know, maybe it can be looked at in the same way like um, ASCAP or something or, or that's or, exactly yep you hit it on the head that's exactly what we said we pay ASCAP and BMI every night and we pay the publishing every night why can't we do the same thing for a health fund for for men and women who are right well yeah I'd like to see where that conversation goes yeah yeah, yeah. you know last time we we, we were we were speaking you know uh and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lump you in a category with a few other people that I've had this conversation with where, you know, a year ago, two years ago, we're all working, we're working hard. You know, we're kind of thinking that, you know, retirement is, uh, is kind of closer than you think, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I might, you know, I might, I might be done. I might, you know, I don't know if I can, you know, do this much longer. <laughs> and then we've had this year off for the most part, you know, and I was speaking to Bill Buddy recently, who's been threatening to retire for the last 10 years. He's like, Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I'm dying to get back out there. We had the same conversation about the house lights going off and needing that boost and that energy. And, and, uh, I, I think you're, you're, uh, may I lump you in that category as well of, of people that, you know, Hey, I, I, maybe I'm not so ready to retire. You know, that's funny because, because I know you talked to Bill and, and, and that's one of the uh, podcasts that I listen to, but uh, you know, Bill is a really dear, dear, dear friend of mine. And, and I keep giving him the same hard time you are about, you know, threatening to retire. I mean, he's so full of shit. And, and so basically um, look, uh, people have asked me the, the question and certainly has come up and, and, you know, Jerome Crooks has been getting, trying to get me to retire for the last 10 years so he can take on my <laughs> case. So, you know, he asked me, he asked me every fucking week when I'm retiring, you know. Um, but, you know, my answer is, you know, Chris, I think the bottom line is, you know, we do it because we really love it and we're passionate about doing it. And I tell people until that stops, until I stop loving it, until I stop being passionate about it, that I'll continue to do it as long as I'm having fun, you know, and uh, it, it was funny when, before I moved here, I talked to Troy Claire and, uh, you know, and, and uh, Brian Levine over at Tate. And, you know, I said, Hey, look, when I retire, you know, you're opening this school, you know, you're opening this, this roadie school at Lips. I want to go there and I want to become a teacher. And they said, yeah. come on, let's go. So look, I look, when I'm ready to do that, at least I have a gig that's down the road that I could, uh, 
maybe pass on some words of wisdom to some nice. younger people. Uh, I'm get with out you. now. Get out. Go, go find a new job. But, uh, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Lidditz too. I mean, I, I, love, I, love, I love the fact that there's, uh, you know, an angle for us crusties. You know. Yeah. Later Come on, on, man. We'll teach it. We'll teach a class together. But you know, so I, I'm going to ask you the same question, question, Chris. I mean, you're not going to retire anytime soon, right? Oh I mean, no, no. I mean, you you know how like the you know those musicians who musicians love an encore. They I mean they just love you know. The, they love the applause. I mean, most musicians wander around in their hotel room in their robe looking for their encore, looking for, you know, <laughs> you know and we're, and we're, 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 we're kind of the same way. We, you know, I mean, you know, production, I know you're a tour manager, but you know, production as well as, as, as anybody. And then we have hard days, you know, there are some days that are awful, whether we're behind, whether we're, we're, you know, behind schedule or, you know, it's pouring rain outside and everybody's soaked or it's freezing in the venue or something, whatever. We've had some really awful days. And then the house lights go out. I mean, this analogy is, it works 100 out of 100 times. Once the house lights go off, it's all worth it right then and there. House lights go That's right. The band starts the first song. The audience responds. It's all worth it right then and there. And you know what, Chris, you can stand back when those house lights go off and know that you played a little part in making it all happen. You know, everybody on that tour played a little part in making it all happen. And I'll, I'll tell you what I love about the business the most. I, I don't, you know, look, I respect and I love the artists that I work for. But more importantly for me, I love the community. I love the men and women who work in the industry. I, I think there's a certain mentality, a certain bond, a certain, you know, colleague, a certain thing that brings us all together. It, yeah. You know, all my friends, unfortunately or fortunately, are in the business. And I, and I, true. I truly, true. I truly, I truly love the people that I work with. I truly love the people that are in, in the industry and, and you know, that, that's what keeps me going. You know, people like yourself, I, you know, Chris, I promise that we'll, we'll do a tour together before I retire. <laughs> Otherwise we'll teach together and let it, but I've had the opportunity to work with every great production manager that's ever been in the business, you know, and, and I'm, it's the people to, that really helps me and keeps me going, you know? Yeah. And, and well, we, we create these families around us, you know, I mean, as a production yeah. manager, you know, more so for me, you know, I've got my riggers, I've got my carpenters, I've got my stage managers, I've got the people, my production assistants, you know, I mean, and, and you know, these are, this is my real family, you know, in, in a way, I see them a lot more than I see anybody else, you know, and, and it's, and it's, there's a genuine love and affection there. You know, we care for each other, you know, we can't wait to see each other, you know, we, you know, it's, it's just, it's, Maybe it's intangible. Maybe it's not something that a listener can tune in and, and, and understand really. Uh, but there, there's, there's a, there's an unmistakable bond there, you know, where there's, you know, love and trust and, and, you know, we want the best for, and you know, we look out for, and, you know, and we got each other's backs, you know, when there's a, you know, when, when we're having a bad day, they're there for you, you know, it's, 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 
you know. You know, Chris, I would tell you that I know you, and I know you know the some of the people that work work for you. They would literally, you would literally take the shirt off your back, and I would too, and give it to those people. You know, if they said, Chris, we want your shirt, you would literally take the shirt off your back and and give it to them. And and look, uh, they they in turn will do the same thing for you. You know, they they would lay down in the middle of the road for you. You know, and and, uh, you know, it's just like you said, it's just something that that. that we just that it happens you know it's a magical thing that happens yeah know? well we're only as good as we are together you know yes. i mean you know and and and, and for me you know uh, i'm the guy who who gets called into the management's office and the, and the artist office and i'm the one who gets all the accolades for their hard work you know and i have to go oh, well, well you know you know i'm here yeah i've worked hard too but it's you know it's it's those guys out there those guys out there who, 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 who believe in you and believe in the show and, and would, you know, just assume die before they let, you know, let you down, you know, and it, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just, I mean, this, this conversation is, it's, I'm getting all these warm feelings, you know, and, and it's more, <laughs> I miss all these people so much, you know, we're going on almost right. 10 months now. And I, and then I, and uh, you know, I don't know. I need, we need you to know, Chris, I had the honor of inducting Bill Leabody and gave him his Lifetime Achievement Award for the Parnellis. And what I said when I inducted Bill, and the same thing goes for you and all the other people out there, is that, you know, one of the greatest honors that you could have as an individual is when all those men and women who work with you on tour say, I want to go do a Chris Candy tour. Yeah. Or I want to go do a Bill Leibody tour or a Marty Hom tour or a Jake Berry tour. And the list goes on and on. And that, that that's because that's one of the biggest honors that they could bestow upon us, that they want to come back out with us and they want to do more tours or other tours with us. And so, look, I, I hope we get out there sooner than later. You know, I, yeah, I yeah. try to remain hopeful and optimistic and, and, and we can uh, bring that those families back together. Yeah. I mean, so we're not retiring. Let's just put it out there. We're not going <laughs> right. to. Who, who are some of the other, who are some of the other shout outs that we need to make out there? Who, who, who still is out there? We have Billy body and we got Jake and, you know, you mentioned Charlie Fernandez and, and Charlie Hernandez and, and, you know, oh, they're, 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 the list is still huge. There's still a lot of us out there. There's Dale Skirth, there's Dale Skirseth and there's Mark Spring and, there's Malcolm Weldon, and it's just, I, I mean, you know, yeah. we could sit here and, and, and talk all day about the great people in this business because there are a, a lot of them. You know, it's interesting because, you know, uh, when we were kids, there weren't a lot of 50 and 60 year old people in the industry back then. I mean, we, we, right. we, we were production managers were in their twenties and thirties and, and tour managers were kids, you know, right. Uh, right. And, 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 you know, we've stayed with it. You know, and now it is, I think it's, I don't know, maybe we were a bit of trailblazers, you know, I don't know. We grew up in a special era, Chris. We grew up when the touring uh, business really was a way that people with, well, I don't know about you, but myself, people with no talent could actually make a living doing something they love to do. Yeah. Uh, because it was, it was a business. It, it became a, a huge business. And, uh, you know, I was part, I was, I was lucky to be a part of that era, you know? 
Yeah, well, we found our talent, didn't we? Hey, yeah. one of the one, one last things that I want to want to chat to you about because I think you and I are in kind of like minded, but I love a good plate of food. <laughs> uh, on the road, you know. Well, I mean, you're, living, what, 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 you're living in the right city. Well, you know. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I I can have a conversation about about New Orleans. Does New Orleans have good food? Sure, but it's it's all rich, fattening, fried. You know, I don't eat it. I'll be honest, I don't eat it. I think I right. think. Shoot, I think Los Angeles is a much better food city. You know, because you know when I think of food, I I. You know, when I when I think of like a city and how good the food is, you pick the cuisine. And LA's got the best of that cuisine. Here, so there's a lot of you know. There's some forward-thinking chefs here that do that do good food, but you know, how many bowls of gumbo can you have? <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, really. But you know, but you're 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 known for enjoying a good plate of food. So when you get your itinerary, do you, do you do you go through the days off and, and looking at what restaurants you might go to? Is 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 that is that one of the things that that you look forward to doing? Hundred percent. There's two things that I that I look forward to doing. I get my itinerary. I look at what cities we're going to have days off, or we're going to have we're going to be basing at a city, and then we can kind of plan our meals. And then I look at the baseball schedule to yeah, see man. if there's any see if there's any home games. And always love to go to a ballpark and sit out in outside of the sunshine, you know, watching some baseball. You know, it just uh, puts me in a great frame of mind. I see your Giants jumper there off to the off to the side. So yeah. you're, you're, you're a Giants yeah, guy. I'm a Philly implant, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm still yeah. still my home team. Yeah, yeah, I'm a hardcore Red Sox guy. I mean, I, 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 I now now in, you know in these day and age, you know, with MLB.com, you can, you know, if you can't miss the game, you can still watch it later, or you can watch like a condensed version of the highlights. So I, I, I really don't miss a game because I will make time to, to catch up with it. And, and I'm such a baseball guy, you know, I mean, it's just so fun going to, going to ballparks. And I've, I've been to, I would say more, certainly more than half of all the ballparks, you know, maybe bordering on two thirds of them, you know, and, and a lot of the old ones that aren't still uh, around. I've been to every single ballpark except for maybe three or four. Right. So I'm working my way through the list. You know, the ballpark in San Francisco, I, that's a gorgeous place. I've not seen, actually, Love I haven't it. seen the game there. I, I, I saw, my, I, I, when I lived in LA, I flew up for a three-game series with the Red Sox uh, probably in, I don't know, 20 years ago, whatever, but right after the stadium opened. But I, I was lucky enough to do a Roger Waters The Wall in, the, in that giant stadium in, in San Francisco. And, and wow, what a cool place, man. No, no, fantastic. I got to tell you, it's the last show that Fleetwood Mac played. In 2019, we played uh, we played AT and T ballpark. That was nice. the last show to me. So. Well, my lasting memory of doing a show there would it was quite possibly the biggest labor bill I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, it was expensive, you know. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, 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 you know, good plate of food, man. I mean, that that really is it can really sustain you through some hard days going, Oh, I've got a day off in a couple of days and we're going here and it's going to be so excited. And we got a reservation <laughs> and I know the sommelier and, and I know what I'm going to eat, you know? So yeah, I really, I really, it's, it's, it's a, it's one of those things that keeps you going, you know? You know what, Chris, that's what we're going to do. When all this shit is over, you and I are going to go have a good meal somewhere for sure. Well, maybe we can meet at, uh, at, uh, at per diem. At uh, Rock Lidditz, 
you know, the restaurant, the hotel. Absolutely. Have you eaten there yet? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've stayed at the hotel. I had the, I've had a few artists rehearse there. I had Barbara Streisand rehearse there. She stayed at the hotel. Oh, did she? Did she like it? <laughs> uh, did she like? She survived. I, I basically <laughs> said, hey, we're going, going camping for a couple of nights. And, and uh, you know, look, she's a trooper. She did great. So nice, nice. Well, before we go, what's uh, what's your projections for 2021? I, I, I've given mine a little bit, and, I'm, and I know you. I know you. You're very you know, you have, you have thoughts. Here's what I think, Chris. Uh, I wish I could tell you. I, I think if anyone tells you that they know, they don't know. Oh, well, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, 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 and I think that if anyone tells you they do know, it's very irresponsible because what you don't want to do is you don't want to get the hopes uh, up for the men and women who work in the industry. And so all I can say to them is, you know, just, you know, remain optimistic and hopefully, like you said, with a combination of the vaccine and the combination of testing, you know, we'll get back to work sooner than later, but you know, nobody really knows. I wish I could give you a, a more firmer yeah. answer than that. Well, I, I, you know, I, I've been, you know, and I keep saying it over and over again, I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist because I feel I, I have too. to be for my own I state of mind. I, 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 I have to live my life with something to look forward to you know, and, and, uh, I look forward to working next year. I really, I really think yeah. I am, you know, and I really hope we all are. And, and, uh, we'll, we'll have that, we'll have that great meal and we'll have that, you know, we'll continue this conversation with some giggles and, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe we'll be on the same per diem list. You never know. Maybe we'll, uh, Absolutely. maybe, Absolutely. maybe you'll, maybe you'll hand me an envelope. <laughs> I, Chris, I would love that more than anything. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Marty. You know, uh, it was a great conversation. It was really easy. Um, you know, you're 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 a good guy, and, and and I'm so happy that we're we're reconnected. You know, because a uh, long time passed since since Kevin Spacey threw rocks in my face with his horse. <laughs> you know, that was a long time. I'm ago. glad we did. Yeah, yeah, thanks yeah. for asking me man it's been a uh, pleasure it's been no a really worries. a pleasure no worries so yeah we'll, we'll stay in touch I'm, sh I'm sure we'll both get bamboozled into being on that zoom call again soon so um Absolutely. you know hopefully hopefully we'll have better luck awesome thanks for having me chris yeah, yeah no pleasure worries to meet you. yeah yeah, Take yeah. Care, marty thank you very much cool. that was fantastic thanks. see Take ya care. bye